the idea of participation or the practices of participation i think a lot of it is from the freirian idea of action reflection and action would always say go to the communities and uh, learn from them um, learn with them i mean share your thoughts share understand their uh, realities participation is still in vogue and participation still pays very very good dividends My guest today is Tom Thomas. Tom is Chief Executive Officer of Praxis Institute of Participatory Practices. Tom has close to three decades of experience in international social development research with expertise across various thematic areas. He has held international top management positions such as country director and Asia regional coordinator with reputed international organizations and he led several large national and international research teams with country regional and international responsibilities on several assignments that has provided critical inputs on the development policy. He has worked in India as well as in several countries across South Asia and he is a very proficient facilitator of participatory action research and participatory participatory learning activities in areas including poverty health food security education and democratic decentralization tom is also the convener of corporate social responsibility watch a civil society coalition that act as watchdog in the business and human rights space Tom has authored and edited books as well as written several articles in international reputed journals Today in this podcast Tom will share his insights about participatory practices in development interventions based on his experiences of decades in South Asia. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome Tom to Global Development Review podcast. and thank you very much for joining me and accepting my invitation i was just researching about you and i have seen that you have written a book on participation it's called participation pace and uh, i would like st- to start from that book you know and also would like to understand from you that uh, how do we understand participation and participatory practices in development sector and and also something brief about your book Sure. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for having me, Jaffer. It's a pleasure uh, to be part of this uh, initiative that you have started. About the book, um, what can I say? Okay, let's start with the title itself, which is uh, Participation Pays. So, we thought about many things. Uh, while uh, why i'm saying this is we took some time to figure out what should be the title and uh, the reason why we titled it as participation pays is because if you see you're a you're a student of development you've been researching development you're part of the um, whole faculty of development in that sense participation even though it was it was a fashionable thing say about uh, in the late 80s early 90s it kind of went out of fashion for the development uh, sector as you know development sector keeps shifting from one fashionable thing to another fashionable thing 
it's one thing today it's another thing tomorrow it's both good and bad good in the sense that it is that shows that development sector is vibrant and it's constantly looking for new ways of being meaningful at the same time it is bad because sometimes we actually forget some practices which were good which must be continued which must be uh, sustained we forget them and uh, we tend to push on with uh, newer ideas that's a problem i think uh, the search for newer ideas should be very much rooted in the good things that we have actually come across good things that we have practiced good things we have seen that is uh, literally pace uh, that's how the idea of the title of the book participation pace so we are saying that participation is still in vogue and participation still pays very very good dividends as opposed to you know like uh, today it may not be that fashionable it is actually coming back into fashion now uh, but um, there was a time when it was like it had gone out of you know you know the words like the tyranny of participation and so on and so forth from then on people started challenging people started saying it's bad quality people started saying that it's pointless it's waste of time waste of energy to the extent also saying that what is it that uh, we don't know that we need to actually ask people so that's the kind of uh, levels that we had reached and uh, we thought we have known that we've been in this for uh, over 25 years praxis as an institution is on the cusp of its uh, silver jubilee 25th year uh, next year and we've we've seen that the idea of participation is still very very relevant and it's very core it's at the core of successful development practice and therefore we said that okay let's rejig our memories look at our uh, archives and put together key experiences that literally showcases that participation when you actually do something using participation at the core of it it really is rewarding and that's how that uh, book came about it's in a, in a sense uh, written by praxians people uh, who been in praxis who had these experiences so it's a collection of varied kind of experiences that is um, that's uh, that we believe did really pay much uh, dividends yeah so uh, when when we talk about participation uh, i just would like to ask you about you know uh, one is the participation of whom and also how do we see participation actually do we see it as a collaboration do we see it as a you know bottom up approach uh, what exactly you know uh we 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 call participation and also it it's it's relevant in in development interventions only or is it relevant also the policy in making of the policies see at a at a larger or a philosophical level i think the idea of participation or the praxis of participation i think a lot of it is from the prairian idea of action reflection and action i think even though he said it in a latin american context i think it is applicable in a, for a south american or whichever 
it, it is applicable in uh, in almost all contexts where there is an oppression and there are forces that continue to keep people oppressed or uh, people poor powerless so to speak if you ask me what is the key thing behind participation it is this idea of action reflection and action and the soul of that i think is the idea of dialogue you know um maybe in today's context of uh, much more complex realities and moving away from the dualism of an oppressor and an oppressed there are you know like we have moved away from uh, world has become more complex than the uh, classic simplistic look of uh, you know a bourgeois proletariat or an oppressed and oppressor and so on and so forth and that's become more complicated with uh, for example in india uh, caste ethnicity you know the uh, religion all of this uh, kind of makes it complex so in that sense let's say it's not just about dialogue it's probably polylogue is the core or the heart of participation what participation is in the sense again going back to the freirean idea of dialogue it is about it is about conversations that lead to higher level of consciousness so be it in research or development practice it's it's the idea of not dumping something in the education context freire talked about depositing and consuming somebody deposits something and you know the recipients are meant to consume he opposed that whole idea and in the development context it's not about dumping somebody with your ideas it's about constructing ideas together or co-authoring those ideas together finding solution finding what the issue is and finding solutions together in that sense i think it is uh, coming back to your question of whether it is about collaboration or about allowing people to lead from front i think it is both but with the accent on people leading from front because the critical aspect is that uh, so going back to what does this engagement mean the engagement means that you are in conversation you are in dialogue or polylogue which leads both the researcher the development worker and the communities that you are engaging with both at a higher level of consciousness so they both are comprehending the issues as well as solutions in better light and that i think is very very critical and if the accent is on letting communities take leadership of that i think then it also adds on not just an empowerment question but it also adds a sustainability question so i would say yes we need to collaborate as development workers we need to collaborate and and at the same time allow people to lead from the front i think that is critical yeah i am also researching uh, like my research is about human trafficking and understanding the perspective of uh, those who are targeted as the victims of trafficking so i i also i try to learn from them like from their experiences and perspective but the challenge that i see in in participatory work are you know uh, this kind of methodologies is that there is always a kind of a power relation so when you are talking about in indian context so there is a caste system and uh, like in in applying or practicing participatory development interventions uh, 
to what extent this kind of power relation comes and how to overcome it like maybe you have also seen in your experiences uh, about it yeah all structural inequalities are about uh, power relations only so um, you know like uh, at a at a philosophical level we can talk about dialoguing etc polylog and all of that but it is it's easier said than done i mean there are way too many impediments to dialoguing in a true sense because everything comes in its way patriarchy the social structures the our own education all of it comes in the way of uh, that because the powerful would not want the power to be uh, gone unless it is challenged yeah. unless it is there are enough enough challenges to power relations so if you look at history itself there has nothing has been won without struggles therefore to change power relations i think again it is important first of all the communities that are oppressed or that are being kept powerless realize that there is a power relationship and then start to engage with it and then start to challenge it so these are different stages and therefore i think again when you come back to the idea of participation i think that dialoguing which i talked about as the raising of your critical consciousness is this recognition of first of all the existence of a power relationship be it in this context of sex workers or the caste or uh, even religious minorities or any of this i think first recognition is that recognition of that power relationship then you know like engaging with it challenging with it so in in the uh, more in the context of uh, development sector per se john gaventa and people from ideas had this developed uh, some years ago the idea of a power cube that is to understand what kind of power relationship exists and it's a kind of a you know three dimensional cube where you are looking at invisible power visible power and uh, hidden um, I, i forget the three axes but basically it is about making what is uh, invisible hidden and uh, visible so what you are seeing is that there are some which are invisible which does not even cross our mind that that kind of uh, structure exists much of uh, patriarchal power relationship is like that we give it that okay it is traditional for us to respect uh, uh, you know the father grandfather the male hierarchy is like it's a given we don't even give second thoughts about it for example to um, you know like powers power relationships that are hidden uh, from you consciously hidden so these kind of power relationships or powers once you are able to bring it to the visible spectrum let's say there is an invisible spectrum and a visible spectrum so all of these invisible power relationship if we are able to bring it to the visible spectrum that's the first step then we are able to engage with it we know we meaning the communities many of us most people know that there is a power relationship over the years the struggles of feminists uh, over you know decades of work has now brought to brought more people to realize that there is a power relationship between man and woman so that that does exist so work of a lot of the uh, dalit 
uh, leaders uh, starting from or before Ambedkar itself and then Ambedkar and a lot of the young people, young Dalit activists today, be it a rapper or a, you know, a frontline activist, they are also bringing to this, uh, you know, much of this invisible power or accepted, taken for granted power to the visible spectrum and challenging it. They are saying that, okay, here is it, it exists. There is no point saying that it doesn't exist. There is no point saying that push it under the carpet. It does exist. Now, how do we deal with it? You have to, first is recognizing and then engaging and dealing with it. So, in that sense, I think almost all power relationship has this dual challenge of, first of all, is it visible? So, make it visible. And then, once it is visible to a lot of people, people start engaging with it, start challenging it, start questioning it. There are numerous examples from history where you can see that that's the way things have happened. Yeah. Class struggle, for example, until it was pointed out there was a class issue, there were different classes of people, that kind of struggle did not happen. So it's important to make it visible and then engage with it. I just like to uh, ask about how the Praxis Institute, um, a participatory Praxis, where, where you are working as a chief executive officer, how it engages with the development interventions and how it is different from the you know conventional or uh, like the so-called and non-government or civil society groups, if I if I would say in that sense. Well, first of all, I think the, I, I don't know we are very different or anything, but we are different in the sense that uh, we are not so much of an implementing organization, but we are more of a knowledge organization, uh, support organization. So we help people make their own work more participatory. So at the core of it, as I said, we believe that the core of practice uh, or the praxis of uh, doing development work is really dialoguing or uh, polylogging, uh, as I was saying. And that's the core. And we also know that it is easier said than done, as I was saying. Uh, there are way too many biases in us, in the sector, in, in the sectors, not just in development sector, also government with whom we engage for larger impacts and so on and so forth. So there are way too many biases. There are way too many uh, power relationships. So that's a first recognition. So we start with an internal search or internal reflection. As I said, action, reflection, action is critical because it is what we do is or how we engage is all as important as what kind of research we carry out or the reports that we bring out, etc. So we have something called, in, be it our international trainings or internal trainings, we start with what is called ABC, Attitude, Behavior and Change. People like Robert Chambers of Ideas have done a phenomenal amount of work in this. So he has this idea of, you know, simply put, handing over the stick, literally meaning that allowing communities to take leadership. So, from inception, Praxis's quest, so to speak, or the endeavor has been to try and create that kind of uh, 
dialoguing possibility, create that kind of a research possibility where we could do a fundamental shift in the way we look at things. Like development sector for long have been talking on behalf of the poor, talking on behalf of uh, uh, marginalized communities. So the, we've been trying using our various methodologies, training, whatever you may, uh, to try and move away from just being spokespersons of the poor to creating more uh, facilitators of people speaking on their own behalf. So I would call it, you know, direct talk. So we've been uh, trying to create that as a uh, as the way forward, even as we research, try and understand a situation, help communities get, collate communities' ideas of both issues and solutions and provide assistance to be it government or other development players to engage better. For example, in, you know, like somebody in a trust of a factory, they wanted to help people in the, in the area of uh, their factory and said, can you help? They wanted to just construct schools. So we said maybe that's not what is needed because it's in a fairly um, okay educationally better off area which had already had government schools, etc. So we engaged with that community. We spent days and nights in the in the villages and tried to understand and engage with what the issues are, what the solutions are provided that. So that's one kind of, uh, you know, kind of engagement where you are able to provide that input to people. But there is also another kind where you are helping people say what they want to say directly to the policymakers. So the distinction I'm making is there are sets of engagement that we do, which is to help other organizations plan better, implement better, monitor better, involving communities, etc. And then there is another set of activities or uh, uh, efforts that we are taking, what I would call that will help communities do direct talk. So some examples are like what uh, we've been engaged with uh, communities on what is called ground level panels, which is, um, you know, this started when uh, we were looking at this whole SDG, Sustainable Development Goals, and we run up to preparation of Sustainable Development Goals. If you remember, there was something called a high level panel which was all this, you know, you know, Prime Minister of UK and all that kind of people. So we thought, why not ground level panel? Poor people, this is the sustainable development goals are for poor people and for the planet. So why don't we talk to them and have a ground level panel? So that's, an, that's one tool, a powerful tool, which we have kind of sustained it and continue to do it over last decade or so to help people so we spend time with people, let's say, on a, a new education policy. So we bring children together from diverse backgrounds, spend time, help them understand what is the old education policy and what is the new education policy, and then let them engage with that and come up with their own ideas. And then they, as a panel, present it before governmental body or, a, or an academic body or a body of prominent uh, uh, citizens, including uh, journalists and academicians and government officials and so on. So it's a direct conversation between them. So that's kind of 
moving away from talking on behalf to allowing helping communities to speak for themselves there are also other tools like participatory video digital storytelling which have more uh, which can be scaled up you know a ground level panel can only happen in one limited geographic space with a limited audience of uh, uh, people but if you have a participatory video you have a digital storytelling which you can actually send across to multiple audiences you know different people can see it many more uh, policy makers can engage with it hear it directly from horses mouth so to speak so those are the kind of uh, engagement which so at the on the one hand uh, collaborate support other organizations to make their own planning implementation monitoring etc participatory but also help communities to talk on their own behalf because we feel that uh, that's the way forward in development sector itself i was looking at your uh, work and uh, i have this impression that you have worked in different countries of south asia so how do you see the experiences of different countries in in context of participatory so like for example in context of india we're talking about the caste relations and you also have worked in bangladesh so would you also share that what what are the dynamics there you know when when you're practicing or you're trying to make some policies or collaborate with uh, the communities there i think uh, i mean between bangladesh and india there's not there's not too many differences or between many of the south asian countries mm-hmm. i think uh, culturally and otherwise we are kind of similar we are victims of the same kind of power issues same kind of blind spots same kind of hierarchies all of that so in a sense we are dealing with pretty much the same kind of uh, context how much has participation and the idea of participatory uh, development got embedded in uh, any of these countries in, including india or bangladesh or many other countries it's a, it's a it's a disappointing story the the dominant i think the dominant uh, policy practices or parameters continue to be a top down one possibly with uh, some exceptions like uh, bhopan for example which thought out of the box and talked about happiness index and they have a very robust uh, five year planning at least when i used to engage in bhopan uh, i knew that there was a very robust uh, five year planning method process you know like of going to villages to village and that those are very very difficult areas to reach and um, in a sense an exercise that was quite participatory i would say in in at a country level but we have examples of you know the people's plan campaign in kerala for example was quite uh, participatory in that they did used almost literally everything that all the tools that were available at that point in time of you know what one could call the pra kind of tools mm. so they they made social maps they made resource maps they made you know who can contribute what they they, they did the works plan campaign of kerala was another example of how at a at a scaled up level participation was uh, brought in. at a much more micro level there are lots of examples of uh, the non governmental sector itself doing a lot of this kind of work which is uh, which to me is like you know droplets in the ocean
but nonetheless important ones from a perspective of i think the experiments and all of that is 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 of of the non governmental sector is very critical in that those are incubators you know the uh, incubators of ideas in that sense uh, if you look at uh, in indian context there are a lot of such incubated ideas that then later on uh, became national policies or national uh, priorities right to information you know all of those kind of right campaign have definitely had its root in civil societies and civil societies engagement experiments uh, trials and errors and all of that so i think yes the idea of participation does not take a central piece in policy making in the country i'd like to ask you what are the challenges that we see in the participatory research and also what is the way forward to engage more with the communities and 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 learn from them or also assist them so uh, how do you see the future of it um, now a new terms are also coming up and people are trying new ways of engaging with communities and also given the context of the kind of apartheid or the kind of you know ignorance from the states and the policy makers in engaging with communities what is the way forward see first of all i think there is there is we we realize that uh, there are there are no shortcuts so there are no shortcuts to sustainable development if you are talking about and we are talking about sustainable development as a goal, global goal as well so there are no shortcuts there uh, that you can like you know snap a finger and you know or uh, create an artificial intelligence program and then uh, everything is fine that doesn't happen that way so the core of participation the idea of participation has to be there it is important for uh, democracy to survive and it is important for development to sustain for both these participation is critical now there are various uh, kinds of participation you you can consult somebody and say it is it is participation but we are talking about participation in the sense of as i said the frarian idea of dialoguing of multiple exchange of ideas that leads both the parties i mean if if as a development worker as well as as the communities that we are engaged with we both come out of it as uh, better people better knowledgeable people our levels of consciousness increases we we know the world better and the realities of world better in this sense i am saying particularly the power relationships better we understand recognize and start to engage with it better so there is no shortcut to that now whether you do it in the uh, traditional way of uh, pra going to the villages and doing um, social mapping resource mapping etc that can change it doesn't matter you could probably use satellite imagery but and you can get the same thing you can use um, artificial intelligence and or computer programs and get some of the data but it's not generating of data that is important it is that data being debated dialogued used is more critical 
so who is generating data who is using data so in uh, you know like again going back to what robert used to say whose reality counts so as i was saying it's not just uh, generation of data generation of knowledge is important and uh, generation of shared knowledge is important that's when both actions as well as um, you know development becomes uh, sustainable and therefore so as i was saying earlier there are no shortcuts and the core idea of this co-creation of knowledge this you know each engagement dialoguing and each each of those dialogues leading all parties involved at a higher level of consciousness of of knowing power relationships the visibilizing of power relationships and to start to engage with it so there are no shortcuts but is the um, future for participation in that sense um, a promising one it is um, it is nonetheless extremely important that these policies are made participatory well let me rephrase it this way i think as i said there are no shortcuts there will also it will also be inevitable that uh, you know uh, most processes will have to become uh, participatory it might be top down for uh, for for some time but it cannot be top down at all times hmm. things will start to change and particularly in democracy and even in the context of india we can see Uh, different states are at different uh, levels so in a sense it's at a, it's a microcosm of the world uh, and the disparities around the world so states where the critical awareness of people are higher the levels of participation is higher where the uh, they continue to be impoverished and uh, you know like no attempt has been made either by um, institutions governmental or otherwise uh, educational institutions religious institutions whatever those institutions caste institutions whichever or through uh, social movements social movements that has brought up uh, uh, higher levels of uh, engagement of uh, marginalized communities unless the states that have gone through such processes have actually uh, ha- do have higher levels of participation and they people's demand participation and then participation in uh, most things becomes a normal and not an exception so what's happening in many parts are that participation is an exception and not a uh, normal but challenges are many for example this pandemic itself is a challenge i mean we've been forced to uh, speak to communities uh, over the phone with difficult to reach communities trying to engage with local uh, community organizations and then through them uh, getting to understand what is the situation of of rural and urban poor communities etc it's been challenging so reaching out and creating those dialogues in these kind of times is going to be challenging so this is an additional challenge that has been thrown at us uh, now and this kind of pandemic is possibly um you know something that is likely to continue and so those challenges will exist in addition to the already existing challenges from uh, you know uh, the various powers and power relationships that are at play but as i said 
I think as the efforts to engage communities becomes more, and communities themselves start to get uh, get to understand their role and rights as citizens, I think uh, the demand for participation will increase, and therefore policymakers will be pushed to a position whether where they whether they like it or not. They will have to make policies that are more favoring the disadvantaged more than uh, the ones who are funding them to win elections. So that kind of a tilt is likely to happen when you know moving forward when people become more and more uh, conscious. And we we see examples in this in India itself. We we see states uh, have reached are at different. It's not a. It's not the same. And they are at different levels, so we know that that is likely to happen. And the policy making of those states where people's engagement is higher, we see that they are qualitatively better. The state tends to arbitrate in favor of the uh, disadvantaged and not in favor of corporates or uh, you know the advantaged. And that kind of a tilt did not happen because of uh, you know they are good people. my last question to you is like uh, for especially for young researchers or you know development practitioners what would you like to advise to work in in such an environment where with so much disparities and also so much you know uh, kind of uh, inequalities are happening there i think all generations do things which are right according to you know their own um, context experience and so on so i would normally say that uh, again there is no shortcut to dirtying your feet which by dirtying your feet i mean actually being with communities that makes a huge difference that kind of an immersive experience of spending time with communities understanding the power struggles understanding the power relationships and the day to day struggles is is very critical in in you know chiseling out your own character in that sense so i can only speak from experience uh, by saying that a uh, lot of what i think uh, or my thinking has been formed because i was fortunate enough to spend time uh, as a student and as well as uh, subsequently in communities you know even living with them in an immersive kind of process working with them trying to understand what the situations are that kind of gives you a much clearer i mean it kind of builds the or bridges the gap between theory and practice so in that sense your your own practices is developed by that kind of engagement and uh, really going to the communities so i would always say go to the communities and uh, learn from them um learn with them i mean share your thoughts share understand their uh, uh, realities etc i would also say that the newer generation of people it is not that you know uh, if you don't have such a opportunity it doesn't mean that you cannot uh, do good there's so many things like for example even if you take um, you know uh, strides that are made in the digital uh, arena how many software development professionals are thinking about developing artificial using artificial intelligence or machine learning for 
the betterment of the poor people right there there are a lot of people working on using it to make our fridge talk to us make our bulbs uh, talk to us understand us make our computers uh, recognize what we want make life easy for us but how many of it is actually being uh, how many are we invested how many are invested in trying to make the uh, agriculture practices easier make those uh, you know like uh, uh, vagaries of uh, climate change uh, have lesser impact on crops uh, that the poor people are uh, dependent on oh so many of such things how many are make trying to make uh, uh, women's lives uh, easier uh, poor women's lives easier or a street vendors life easier so there is a lot that can be done in whichever profession you are and the only thing is it just requires this whole idea that uh, you know there is and we, we there the playing field is not level and everyone has a role to play in making the making a level playing field so it's not because it's it's, it's historical errors and it's not individual uh, failures that are keeping uh, poor poor and definitely they are not asking for charities they are not asking for dole outs they are saying give us fair wages give us fair living wages and uh, give us fair working conditions and to make that happen is if we can send rockets to you know space and uh, uh, mars mm-hmm, yeah. i think we can definitely definitely find better ways of cleaning our drains and not uh, pushing uh, thousands down the drain uh, so to speak even this day and age what it requires is is that sense of justice i would say that's whatever you do if you have a whether it is a research programming or a, whatever other teaching i think if that sense of justice which looks at the core idea of equity between people between plant between uh, regions so on and so forth i think that that is critical thank you so much tom for really you know learning experience for me and i really enjoyed this uh, conversation in fact i i really wanted to continue it but i know your time is uh, precious so thank you for very much for uh, your time and for coming here and sharing your insight i hope the people who are listening or watching you know learn and enjoy this conversation thank you thank you so much uh, jafar it's been a pleasure talking to you and knowing that um, you are doing initiatives like this thank you very much yeah. and all the best